you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee, dee, dolly, dolly. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike on the Down East Mike Podcast coming to you. Actually, this is all pre-recorded. Well, some of it's got to be live because I'm alive right now. This is Down East Mike episode number 73 with news and commentary for January 13th, 2023, Friday the 13th. And some of the superstitious people think that bad things happen on on Friday the 13th. They probably do. Hopefully not to you and I, though. We just sail through the day unaware, unattached, untouched. Let's see, what do we have going on today? Oh, our motto. We better give you that motto right away, just in case. Our motto is, some of this is whimsy, some of this is true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. And we like to note that Down East Mike podcast contains no mean words, just wholesome goodness from Down East Maine, a historical literary auditory candy store. My God, what a stretch that is. If you're just getting up, oh wait, we'll tell you what the we'll tell you what our podcast is about first, and then we'll go to the all important international and local headlines. We're going to adjust the microphone a little bit. We don't have one of those fancy stands. Most podcasters use the same thing. They have like a sure microphone on us. Boom. And they have to get a cloud lifter, which changes the signal. And it makes their voice all, they all sound the same. I'm on my podcast. This is my podcast voice. And I'm really serious. I smoke a lot of, you know... But what we use is a cheap old condenser mic so that we can get the authentic main podcast experience and you can hear the trucks going by and the highway and the boats in the harbor. And if I haven't had breakfast, you hear my tummy rumbling, hoping that mother will get up and make me some breakfast because we have to work from home on Fridays. It goes on and on. All right. Here's our podcast for today. Do you sell dogfish? Woof, woof. That's from 1972, a story about dogfish. We'll get into that one. Hong Kong flu attacks Maine 1972. Oh dear, they had the flu then too. Cabot Mill goes electric in 1892. Lumber business failing due to lack of snow in 1892. Well, we see those headlines, don't we? Uh, Leg injuries to report from this day in 1892. We had John, who was shot. Randall, caught up in a line. John, legs were frozen. And Robbie was bit by a dog, 1892. We'll get a little more detail on those stories. Let's look at the tragic overnight news, if you're just getting up uh, Lisa Marie Presley, only child of Elvis, passed away at the age of 54, cardiac arrest. Probably didn't have as special a a fun life as as we may have imagined. She probably had quite a tough time upbringing. Her dad was a great man, of course, and it's a sad way for her to go. But Lisa Marie Presley passed away at 54. Other headlines, six dead after destructive tornadoes hit Alabama in the overnight. 
uh, Biden visitor logs under scrutiny after classified files are found. Ukraine Defense Minister says that we are a de facto member of the NATO alliance. Yeah, I'm a de facto member of the Kennedy family, too. Biden once revealed to Jay Leno that Hunter refurbished his Corvette. Boy, that gets intriguing, doesn't it? Maybe Hunter stuffed some stuff in the back of the Corvette. I don't think that has a trunk, though, right? Uh, BLM founder's cousin dies after Los Angeles police arrest. And why the stock market isn't impressed with the first monthly decline in consumer prices in more than two years. Blah, blah. Pentagon receives more than 350 new reports of UFO sightings. And each UFO report sighting is just like the last one. Here's a little blurry picture of this thing I saw. Anything else in international headlines? Um, just police shootings and... Yeah, nothing else there. Oh, oh, Japan's going to release radioactive water into the sea. They're determined to bring Godzilla back. Let's look at the main headlines, if there are any, of note. Um, main headlines are tough to come by. Gusty winds and flooding concerns this morning. We are getting hit with a storm here in Maine. 30-mile-an-hour winds, 50-degree temperatures, possible flooding. And they just, uh, yeah, not much happening in Maine. Let's see if there's anything else here. This is the main headlines, the best they can do. UFO reports rise, not aliens, but still a threat to U.S. There you go. All right, so let's go on to our podcast. Oh, we have birthdays today. Happy birthday today to Sylvia of Farmingdale. She turns 49. Sylvia has been on a wild quilt-making venture for the last few years. She has had her work featured in Great Yarns Magazine and elsewhere. That's Sylvia. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Winifred of Friendship. Oh yeah, I remember her. Winifred is 80. She's been married for 50 years, 38 of them to Harold. Winifred is retired from the bowling business where she made Bowling pins and balls for many years. Happy birthday, Winifred. We don't have a word of the day because from this day in 1972, we have important things we need to look at. The Jed Prouty Tavern, Inc. in Bucksport, their ad from this day. This would be Friday night. You'd get off your shift at the mill. You'd go to the dine and dance to the music of the Lamplighters, Friday and Saturday, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. in Jed's New Lounge. Enjoy a delightful meal with us. Open Sunday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Cocktails served seven days a week. Open daily, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. But the band playing 8 to 1 a.m., I could just imagine the cigarette smoking there and packing out your gear at 1.30 in the morning. You would just be waiting for that time when the bartender says last call, flips the lights off and on so you can just pack up your stuff and get out of there. Regency Room, Friday and Saturday, a band called Zoo Dirt, Zoo Dirt for your dance and pleasure. Special entertainment attraction, Robin McNamara, million selling record, lay a little loving on me with a male lead Broadway musical Hair 
Admission, $1 per person. And, and I don't, was Robin a man or a woman? Admission, $1 per person. Twin City Motel, Wilson Street, Brewer. And you could call for more information. Well, they had a movie at the Brewer Shopping Center with showtimes of 7 and 9 p.m. Cinema 2 in color for ladies and gentlemen over the age of 18. So I think we can see where we're going with this movie. And it was called The Deviates. A very strange film, it's noted. And then they spell it out, D-E period V-I period A-T-E-S, deviates. Persons who depart noticeably from the norms of social behavior. And that was at 7 and 9, Cinema 2 and Brewer. University Cinema, Grant Plaza in Old Town, had Man in the Wilderness, I don't know what that one was. Just a, It says double feature, shown at 7. Oh, so that's when you came in late with your big gallon bucket of popcorn. You could just chew through that whole thing because you were really waiting to see Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn and Alan Arkin, and that was at 9. Cinema 2 in Old Town was closed for remodeling. Shows were a dollar. At the Midtown Tavern in Bangor, you could see live entertainment from the Highway Men, featuring BJ on drums, and that was Thursday through Saturday, 9 to 1, jam session every Saturday, 3 to 6. And I almost think BJ must have paid for this ad, you know, to have it called out as featuring BJ on drums. Imagine going there and listening to them play, and all you're doing is you're waiting for the BJ solo on every song. Well, we found this delightful little story from this day, 1972, in the Bangor Daily News. And it was written by news correspondent Caroline Norwood. That name sounds familiar. Spiny dogfish described as perfectly delicious. This came a dispatch out of Tenant's Harbor. If you savor the taste of haddock and halibut but find these fish scarce and expensive, why not ask for a dogfish? If you don't like that name, these small sharks are also known as grayfish, cod sharks, sand sharks, thornback sharks, bone dog, and skittle dog. Skittle dog sounds like it should come in a plastic bag. Uh, and they're delicious, according to Thea Schaefer, a staff associate at the New England Marine Resources Information Program. The dogfish can be extremely good eating, Schaefer believes. Fried sections from the back can easily pass for scallops, and smoked belly sections are a high-priced gourmet item in Central European markets, he noted. But as a scavenger in Maine mentioned the dogfish, and you're apt to get answers such as these. From a Camden fish market owner, no, we don't sell dogfish, it's a waste fish, a scavenger. At a Portland fish dealer's place of business, the conversation went this way. Do you buy and sell dogfish? Reply, woof, woof. After much laughter, the spokesman said, we have no call for them whatsoever. They're one useless animal. He did say the fishermen have no trouble catching dogfish, but they always throw them back. Although Maine folk deride dogfish, not many have tried eating them. Camden, the clerk commented, commented, I've never tried one. They look so awful. Worse than a lobster? I don't know about that, but lobsters taste some good. 
Dogfish can taste good, too, according to Yule Gibbons in his book, Stalking the Blue-Eyed Scallop. Gibbons recommends eating dogfish by cutting the flesh in strips, dipping in batter, and frying them in the manner of English fish and chips. He adds they are perfectly delicious with a flavor reminiscent of lobster. Schaefer believes dogfish would go well in fish and chip type stores. The consumer doesn't know what he's getting and doesn't care, so you have eliminated any of the psychological hang-up we have about eating sharks. He adds, at the same time, a market might be established for the high-priced smoked belly sections, and the livers have always been a valuable source of oils. Out of Europe, the dogfish is used as a food fish. Andreas Holmesson comments in his paper, Harvesting and Processing Dogfish, Europeans are actually very concerned about the depletion of stocks in the European waters. They feel urgent measures are needed to protect the dogfish stock in Europe. Dogfish is used fresh, smoked, and frozen in Europe. Just as halibut and mackerel were undesirable until someone suddenly decided they were good, perhaps soon, Maine consumers will be asking for dogfish. And if a consumer market just can't be created for dogfish, Schaefer has another suggestion. Encourage its exploitation by Eastern European countries who need the protein and would fish the resource down to a level where they can no longer economically pursue it. This would hopefully remove what the American fishermen has long considered a pest and perhaps help in the recovery of other species. And then they have a picture of a it looks like a cod, but I guess it's supposed to be a dogfish. Somebody drew it. That was a nice story about a dogfish. And then let's look at um, a drug that improves condition of retarded and senile. And this is an era, 1972, where they perhaps weren't quite so politically sensitive. Uh, about a story out of Washington. The apparent improvement of 26 mentally retarded children, about six dozen senile patients in Chile after treatment with a controversial drug has led the development of the developer of the medication to urge the U.S. government to undertake similar trials here. And the drug in question is DMSO, which is short for dimethyl sulfoxide. It was licensed for veterinary use in the U.S. last summer, but it's not available on a prescription basis for human beings because of findings in 1965 that it caused eye damage in rabbits and other lab animals. However, it can be used experimentally by doctors whose plans are approved by the FDA, and it's prescribed in some other countries for a wide range of disorders, ranging from arthritis and sprains to burns and stroke. Uh, let's see, at a news conference here, this is Washington, a doctor from the Oregon School of Medicine developed, uh, talked about developing DMSO from wood pulp byproduct, and that must be the main tie-in. He returned recently from Chile where he said what he had seen and what he had been told were encouraging. Those who had apparently benefited from DMSO, he told the reporters, included mongoloids, children with other forms of mental retardation, and elderly persons. However, he warned, the evidence is only preliminary. One of the difficulties, he explains, that DMSO used in Chile has been combined with three amino acids, uh, which are the building blocks of proteins, 
And he said it's impossible to know whether it would be effective if administered alone. The reason for this, he explained, is that the work in Chile has been sponsored by a drug company which could not, since DMSO is cheap and not subject to patent, the drug company couldn't make a profit without mixing the drug with other more expensive ingredients. Jacob said U.S. scientists have tested amino acids by themselves as a treatment for mental retardation and the results have been disappointing. U.S. drug firms, he said, also are likely to find the sale of DMSO unprofitable, so the best hope for testing its effectiveness lies with government. It's available by prescription in Chile, Spain, Portugal, West Germany, and Austria. That's quite interesting about DMSO. I remember somebody quite a few years ago telling me how you could go to the local pharmacy in New Hampshire and ask the pharmacist to mix you up some DMSO for your arthritis and you just apply it on your on your arthritic spots and it would fix it all. Also on this day in 1972, story of Bangor's newest import comes from Hong Kong. Have a runny nose, aching joints, persistent fever and nausea? You're probably one of the hundreds that have caught the Hong Kong flu. Director of Bangor Health Department, William Shook, says that, what did William do? He shook. William Shook says that this particular strain of virus, A2, will be around for a while and will soon reach epidemic proportions. It should peak in about two or three weeks, he said. Last week's report of contagious diseases was up to 84 cases from eight the previous week. And those are probably four times that many that are unreported. People just go home, endure the illness, and go back to work. Sometimes they call the doctor, and sometimes they don't. Dr. Thornton Merriam, a Bangor physician. How, If you had a name like Thornton Merriam, how could you be anything but a doctor? Maybe a librarian. Reported about 50 telephone calls in the last two weeks with complaints of the flu, and he felt that other physicians had similar experiences. Hong Kong flu. 1972. Newspaper article last Saturday listed Maine as one of the 11 states seriously hit with a virus that claimed thousands of lives in the winter of 1968-1969. Shook pointed out that most of those cases had been people with respiratory problems to start with, such as emphysema, asthma, and coronary problems. Isn't that something? They had the flu then too, folks, just like they do today. Uh, let's take a look at the police beat. Early Wednesday afternoon, Bangor police were called by Fred Langley, who reported that his wallet wallet had been lost somewhere in the vicinity of the Howdy Beef Burger restaurant on Main Street. The Kingston, New Hampshire man said that the billfold contained an undetermined amount of cash, some credit cards, and a number of identification papers. Mysterious displacement about 7 a.m. on Wednesday, Officer Allison Wetmore found an elderly woman sitting on the sidewalk in front of 21 Walter Street. Wetmore reported that the woman told him she didn't know how she got there. The last thing she remembered, she said, was locking herself in her residence on Heller Street about a block away. The officer noticed that one of the woman's wrists was badly swollen and he transported her to EMMC for treatment with no explanation for her mystery displacement. Also, um, 
N.V. Raymond called the Brewer police to report that his car's windshield had been smashed. Sergeant Lloyd Blanchard went to the scene and determined that vandals had apparently hurled blocks of ice to break it in two places and create an intricate spider webbing through the remaining glass. That's what crime was like in Bangor 1972. You could stay at the Queen City Motel, which was uh, next to Pilot's Grill, one mile from Interstate 95. Queen City Motel, the best buy in Bangor, commercial rate $8.50, where you'd find comfortable rooms, TV, phones, bath, hyphen shower. Accommodations guaranteed year-round, be our guest for coffee and donuts every morning. Good morning. Join the Winter Regular Club. You could call Tom McGann. He was the manager. 942-4611, Queen City Motel, 850 a night. Oh, to go back in time. And maybe you could wander over to the A&P and you could get a steak on a chuck budget. Enjoy steak on a chuck budget. Steak is everybody's favorite, but a bit expensive. Here's a quick and delightful menu whose main dish is boneless chuck steak converted into thrifty London broil. Lipstick on a pig. The menu is onion soup with cheese toast, thrifty London broil, broiled potato slices, buttered peas, and quick chocolate mousse. So you take two pounds of boneless chuck steak you pierce it with a fork, cover with a quarter cup of highly flavored French dressing, let it stand 15 minutes, broil to rare stage, five minutes on first side, four to five minutes on the second side, and to serve, slice thinly across the grain. It serves six to eight people. And then they've got like the chocolate mousse. Oh, prepare one package of one pint of whipped topping, that you're preparing that whipped topping, fold in one ounce of liquid chocolate flavor or one ounce unsweetened chocolate. Melt and cool, heap into cups, my lord. Uh, they had strawberries, four 10-ounce packages for a buck. Marvel ice cream, assorted flavors, a half gallon, 79 cents. You better get two of those. English muffins were six for 29 cents. Potato chips, 59 cents. Old-fashioned cookies, three 12-ounce packages for a dollar. My goodness. And puff cookies, snow, chocolate, fudge, lemon, seven-ounce package, just 29 cents. Let's go shopping at the AMP. Eight o'clock Brazilian instant coffee with 10-ounce jar was 99 cents. Some things never change. And then they had new low prices, our own tea bags. They were their tea bags. Package of 189 cents. At that price, you could put five tea bags in a single cup. We found this a picture of a robot character. Firemen in Yokohama, Japan, demonstrate a robot fireman that can climb stairs and pass through flaming rooms where the fireman cannot approach. The remotely controlled robot sends information back from television cameras in its eyes, and it has two water sprinklers in its head and one on its chest. They were modernizing their fire. All right, let's go back to 1892, January 13th, 1892, and we want to talk about um, Mr. Moses Barstow. He died. He lived in formerly of... Uh, 
formerly of Brunswick, Maine, but he died in Malden, Mass. He died from the effects of a shock. They don't know what that is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before the war, Mr. Moses Barstow worked for the lumber firm of Lemont, Forsyth, and Hall. He was a steady workman. Afterwards, he worked on the railroad and got to be an engineer. The Maine Central Railroad Company trusted him as one of their oldest and truest men, and he would run an engine a little faster than any other man. At the time of the great fire in Portland, they got word they needed a hand tub down there. You know the hand tub they push on both sides and pumps out the water. We got it down to the depot and looked around for a train. I remember that Mr. Benjamin Furbush, one of the selectmen, helped us. How were we to get to Portland? Well, there was a fireman's muster at Lewiston that day, and in a few moments there was a roar up the line toward Lisbon Falls and then a shadow and Moses Barstow's train, loaded with fire apparatus, stood in the depot. Moses was leaning out of the cab window, shouting to us, Load her on, boys. We're going right along. We loaded the hand truck on, and didn't that train scud down the track and out of sight? Some of the folks from Lewiston grew a little nervous when the train whisked around the corners at over a mile a minute, but the Brunswick boys were not scared. They knew Barstow's hand was on the throttle. It was one hour after our tub started from here that it was throwing water on the Portland line. Mr. Barstow left the employee of Maine Central a little while after this. In about 12 or 14 years after that, he moved to Malden. Let's talk about the Cabot Mill. To rightly appreciate the power that the Endroscoggin River has, once you go around behind the Cabot Mill and see the new flume and water wheels. The conductors of water from the flume to the wheels look like giant snakes curling around in the pit behind the new mill. Greater power will be had than ever. At present, the new electric light plant of the Cabot Mill is situated in a building in the rear of what is to be the wheelhouse of the mill. Joseph Shepard is the head electrician of the plant, and the mill has been lighted by electricity since October 5th. The whole plant has 164 20 candle power lamps, and of the 16 candle power lights, there are 60 in one room, 50 in another, and 306 on the spinning room floor. Those poor folks sitting there working away. All of those lights are in the old mill. Now, in the new mill, there are 103 incandescent lights and 40 arc lights. The company has a small machine that they've used since September 2nd, of 1890, 50 lights from this machine and the lights in that plant are capable, or the machines in the plant are capable of running each over 500 lights, smaller one, 250, and they have a very fine switchboard. Isn't that a great story? Uh, Mrs. John Brackett's son, nine years old, is ill of diphtheria. Charles York and his wife have the grip. Oh, Charles Hacker has typhoid fever. And the family of Frank Leonard's ill. Mr. Givens' hired girl has the grip. And Mrs. Captain Fry of Topsom died on Sunday. There sure is a lot of sickness. Oh, A.F. Nichols, sick of pneumonia. And Mrs. York was ill, not able to walk for a few days. Uh, let's see. We need our stories on lakes, don't we? We promise you some stories. Joseph Cartland has the grip. And the attending physician thinks the illness is nothing serious. Yeah, because he's not the one that's sick. 
And then Judge Spear died of pneumonia. Wow, an awful times. Okay, Eldon Foss, who's the son of Frank Foss, cut his foot while cutting lumber for Saul Littlefield. He was carried two miles before anything was done for him, and he was weak from loss of blood. Talking about the snow, uh, the little snow that came Saturday afternoon helped out quite a little and gave people a chance to get up some wood. There's a lot of lack of snow. Our next leg story, Robbie, two-year-old son of W.S. Merrill, was bitten badly on the leg by a vicious dog. Same time, Alexander Hatch died of pneumonia. So then John Perkins of Bangor, he was lost in the woods last week while going from a camp in the Lake Region. He was up by Springfield. He was going to another camp. He was out two nights and a day before found. His legs were frozen, also his arms. It's feared he's not going to recover. We'll have to follow up on John Perkins. Uh, a few weeks ago, Esther Branner of Brighton, Mass., was sent to Elford to live with the Shakers. But one dark night, she packed up her clothes and left walking to East Waterboro, where she found shelter. That's kind of vague. A man by the name of Guild furnished her money to pay her passage to Boston. She arrived there a few days ago, and Monday she was sent to the Reform School. Oh, what a mess. Benjamin Jordan of Old Town, he was shot in the leg at Moosehead, and he's been sent to Maine General in Portland for treatment. And then, Mate Randall of Machias Port, he's the mate on the Machias Bark Miranda. They were hauling out of dock in Philadelphia recently, and while he was letting out the line, he caught his leg in it and suffered severe injuries, necessitating its amputation. So legs were very difficult to hold on to back in 1892. Again, the lack of snow at this time, lumber business at Hancock, Bids fair to be a failure this winter owing to lack of snow. Several teams from here were intending to go into Penobscot and Piscataquis counties to operate this winter, but without snow, can't get into the woods. Do we have any more leg stories? Oh, Hannah Morse, she died in Brunswick on Friday. She's said to have been 100 years old. Her mental faculties uh, were good up until the last. I like it how they're sharp right up to that last minute. R. Alden Esquire has nearly completed his new house in Winthrop. And also out of Winthrop, some of the young people are agitating a dance class. Didn't know they danced that much back then. Mr. Charles Ryerson's girls are sick with pneumonia. My goodness. The upper steam mill at Bryant's Pond has shut down for want of lumber. I think that's where Tucker Carlson lives. Only a few loads of birch have yet been hauled to the spool mill owing to lack of snow. And some scamp unlocked the door of Fessenden Swan's boot and shoe repair shop one night last week and took a lot of leather and tools. Probably somebody knew what they were working on. Here is our story about the monster skeleton, Benjamin Wilbur of Pembroke, and John Wakefield and Machias were out cruising on the Machias River when they came upon a monster skeleton near the Fifth Lake Stream. The position of the bones, which were undisturbed, are represented as re resembling those of a fish about 15 feet in length. The ribs remained in form, which indicated a body about the size of a barrel. I couldn't find anything additional on this, but this is a story we'll set aside 
and see what we can dig up. A monster skeleton near Fifth Lake Stream, about 15 feet long, and a body about the size of a barrel. Unless it was a small whale that uh, swam up the river. So we'd have to look that up. That's quite interesting. Also, out of Mason, several children sick with scarlet fever. School has closed in consequence. They are having a light run. And in Norway, Shirley Hazeltine uh, has, is ill with the scarlet fever. Look how they differentiate between scarlet fever and pneumonia and the grip. Foster and Howard of Hartford have their bark and lumber all yarded, and they're waiting for snow there as well. Uh, there's a hard homecoming to Mrs. Harvey Sawyer of Brewer, who returned Monday with her three children from a visit to her parents in Hamden. On going into the house, she went to a room and found her husband lying in bed, and on further investigation discovered that he'd been dead for several days. The only comfort comforting thing about it was that he appeared to have died peacefully while asleep. Let's take a look at the forecast, and we're going to send you out the door to go about your business. It's currently 42 degrees with rain and mist here in down east Maine. Uh, for today, rain mainly in the morning. Uh, warmer with highs in the lower 50s. They bumped that up a bit in the last few hours. South winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 100%. Yeah. Uh, for tonight, slight chance of rain showers in the evening. Gust up to 30 miles per hour with west winds. And for Saturday, mostly cloudy. Highs in the lower 30s, north winds around 10 miles per hour, gusting to 25. Sunday looks sunny, and a high's about in the 30s. That is our Down East Mike podcast for today, Friday, January 13th, 2023. And until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you.
Okay. 